0: Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast, where our heart is that everyone would experience true sanctuary in Jesus. We're currently in our Advent series, which we're calling Prepare Him Room, and we're looking to create space in our hearts as a community for God to break in this Christmas season. Uh, Just a quick note, our teaching often does include uh, some discussion and community response, and we do intentionally edit that out in order to preserve confidentiality in the Sunday experience, Uh, so you'll likely not hear the full content or context of the teaching. Uh, But still, our hope is that this will encourage you and equip you, and really, we're just so honored you would listen in. So, here it is.
1: So great to see everybody i'm going to carry on with our prepare him room kind of series that we've been doing in advent um which you know we sang the line in the song that Joni played let every heart prepare him room and um we're not doing sort of big long preaches in this series we're kind of just doing almost like more or like a little short talk so i mean my notes you could see they're sort of i probably will get a little muddled as i'm talking to you so i do apologize if it's a bit sounds a bit scatty, but I'm in faith that, that Jesus really, really wants to meet with us this morning. He's here already. He's everywhere. The whole world belongs to him, but he loves to manifest his presence, show up in a way that we can understand and feel and um, that actually transforms and changes us. So I'm excited about how he's going to meet with each and every one of us this morning. Um, and we're going to give a bit of time um, Hopefully the talk won't be too long and then we'll actually just have some time to see what he wants to do and how he wants to to speak or or meet with us or whatever he wants to do. So we're going to start by reading um, two um, kind of quite chunky bits of scripture. One is Luke 2 verses 1 to 18 and one is Psalm 24. And we'll read them all together and then we'll get into our usual um, groups and um, have a bit of time to kind of discuss and see what God is kind of speaking to us about. Oh, well, thank you, guys. That's, yeah, that's so encouraging. I, yeah, really great for me as well to be to hear some different um, perspectives. And really what I'm going to do today, I'm not going to do like a sort of verse-by-verse verse exegesis of the passages. I'm just really going to draw out one theme that I just felt God put in on my heart and just share that with you and then see what he wants to do with us, really. So when I'd been kind of thinking about this passage a while back, and there was, I was kind of saying to God, like, why was he born in a stable? Because like, I feel like there is this, obviously this big thing that, that Jesus identifies with the poor and the lowly, as, you know, as you guys are saying, like the people who wouldn't expect that they would be included, but actually God's like, yeah, it's for you too. And I know what it's like to be a refugee. I know what it's like not to, you know, not to have a home. These kind of like, you know, identifying with us in his poverty. But I really felt in that moment, the Holy Spirit just saying to me, it was the only place, that had space. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. The only place that had space. And there's this kind of like, This this feeling of like God, you know, the first time that when God came as a baby, it's like so many people in that in that town kind of missed it. Like it was quiet. It was like, you know, when he comes, as Tim reminded us the other week, you know, when he comes back again, nobody's going to be able to ignore it. Every knee will bow because the glory of God is going to be revealed. But when he came that first time, it was like subtle and quiet, and it's easy to miss. And the fact is that we've got a God who. He wants to keep encountering us. He wants to keep, you know, as you were saying, it's about relationship. It's about this like, you know, it's not a formula. He's not a machine. He's a real living being, the most almighty, wonderful, awesome being. He wants to keep connecting with his kids and encountering us and showing up in making messy or mundane or ordinary places holy. And there, I feel like there is this real very now current invitation for this season of Advent and Christmas right now for us that, that God is saying like, I wanna show up in your heart and in your life in this season. I wanna encounter you in a new way in and in a way that you thought, oh, God wouldn't, it's very unlikely he would show up there, but that's why he wants to show his glory. So we're gonna kind of just look a little bit at how we might do that. And I think interestingly, this season of Advent for me often, I don't know if you resonate at all, but I think the problem is actually this season of Advent leading up to Christmas and this kind of time over Christmas is usually marked more by feeling stressed, feeling overloaded, feeling overindulged. Um, You know, I think for a lot of people actually feeling more lonely, more empty, more anxious, more distant from God, you know? And I think even sometimes when, when we're so, you know, there's so much busyness and distraction, I think we can almost grow a little bit weary sometimes, you know, of like, I've asked God to show up and I, I don't know if I do really feel like he loves me or haven't, have I even ever had a, like an encounter with God where I, you know, it's not just I know it in my head, but I actually feel it in the depths of my being. Maybe, you know, maybe you're feeling like just that sort of quiet distance, like have I ever, it's just too hard to keep asking him and then feeling disappointed, you know? So how do we be those people who don't, who don't miss him? who do prepare him room, make space for God to show up. So it shows us, you know, just having, you know, from, from this just a little line about the the stable, it shows us that the inhibiting factor for God showing up in a place was not mess, mm. or dirt, wow. or chaos. You know, imagine sort of Mary, like, between contractions, just nudging away a goat, you know? <laughs> it's like, not, not your kind of ideal picture of like, <laughs> the King of Heaven being born on the earth, but, You know, but that's not a problem for God, apparently. It's not a deal breaker for God coming close. If your life is messy or it's a bit chaotic, but the problem here, you know, the reason Jesus wasn't born in a house, wasn't born in the hotel or the inn, it was too full, everywhere was too full. There wasn't the availability. So I'm just gonna pull out two invitations for us to do some emptying, to create that space. So say to the person next to you, emptying and we're going to look at emptying our heart can you say heart thanks this is like a tom shaw thing yeah. emptying our time time, time. well done yeah. okay so we're going to look at how we might empty our hearts how we <laughs> might empty our time and um, in psalm 24 we're going to use this because it literally asks this question verse 3 psalm 24 says who shall ascend the hell of the lord who shall stand in his holy place so it's saying like who is it that gets to have god encounters in his presence Who is it that, you know, doesn't miss him, that lives life out of that place of his presence? And then it gives us some answers. So we picked up on it a little bit in the discussion that we were having. The first one is, he who has clean hands and a pure, or some translations, undivided heart, and who doesn't lift up his soul to idols. So I think, for us, it's like critical to have this kind of, this right understanding of what clean hands, holy hands is. And ultimately, as as you guys were saying, it's about Jesus has to clean us up. Like We cannot clean ourselves up. But in the in the sense of like holy behavior, where does that come from? I think the church quite often has been guilty of like focusing on behavior modification. Like we do these things. We make sure that we're not, you know, whatever list you want to have. We go to church every week. So it's like behavior modification. The thing is that holy behavior is like the fruit that comes from the root of an undivided pure heart, of a heart that is absolutely sold out for the glory of god a heart that is so on fire and devoted that the first love is jesus and jesus alone and then that's what the you know the fruit comes from that so it's don't don't mishear me i'm not saying that behavior doesn't matter that our choices aren't important they're connected like intrinsically connected and also you know we could do a whole other talk on Um, like the gift of, you know, spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, gathering together, um, worship, you know, the things that actually we do these things because it's a gift from God in order to, to like, redefine our desires and, and, you know, kind of grow that love for Jesus in our heart and grow that pure undivided heart. But that's a different thing. What we're coming from is the other way, that actually if you just focus on your behavior, but you don't, you forget about your heart, you don't guard your heart, which in Proverbs it tells us it's the wellspring of life. And it's like you end up with dead legalism, you're cutting off the root and you've just got a really, this kind of hard, boring <laughs> life. Um, so how do we, how do we you know, keep our hearts in that place of like, you know, ready to encounter God? And psychology actually sort of backs this up because there's a lot of things um, you can read about, like the, the fact that we're desire-led beings So it talks about as almost like this seat of affection that um, we have like a heart throne and what we allow to sit on that throne, what we love the most, that does impact the fruit of our behavior. So we mustn't allow anything else to share that heart throne. And another word is idols. When we put an idol on that throne, when something else becomes more important to us than Jesus, that's like where we're allowing an idol. So again, in Psalm 24, it says, who doesn't lift up his soul to an idol. And for us, you know, um, I think it's very interesting in the Old Testament, we, we see like whenever there was a good king that made the land flourish and there was peace, the fir- pretty much the first thing the king would do was tear down all the pagan idols. There was the actual altars that they could just get rid of, the tr- you know, the high places and things like that. So, but for us, I think, you know, often the idols are the unseen things. They're the attitudes of our hearts. It's things like money. It's pleasure seeking. It's for me, a big one is comfort. Just having a safe, like comfortable, happy sort of life. You know, it's approval of people. It's achievement. It's having, you know, for me recently realizing like that feeling of having purpose and am I making a difference? that is a good thing to want to do, but if that becomes the thing that sits on the throne and that's the main drive, as opposed to just the glory of God, you're like, oh, it's become an idol, that's become an idol in my heart. And so repentance is really key to emptying out those idols. And I just wanted to share with you a time when this was kind of, God just really made it profoundly obvious to me, Um, where I'd kind of been having this sort of like just hunger and yearning to be like, I just want to see more of your, like, power at work in my life, Jesus. I want to be more full of your spirit, walking day by day in that power of the Holy Spirit. And so I was like, I need to spend some time fasting and praying. And I'd set aside this time, and I was walking back to my house in order to have um, some time with God and to ask to be filled with his spirit more and more. And I was walking back with a friend, and I started to chat to her. We ended up, basically, I ended up gossiping about somebody. And, like, through the course of that conversation, by the time I got home, I was like... I said some things I knew I should not have said I was like oh like I've arrived home to ask God to fill me with more of his spirit and all this horrible stuff was spewing out of my mouth I was like oh man and I sort of like I got down on my knees before God <laughs> and I just felt it was like a window had been opened with this fresh air and like the presence of God just wrapped around me in his gentleness it was like he was saying like on your knees that is a great place to start start by emptying and as i started to just like pour out my repentance because then i felt him saying like actually what was sitting on the throne of your heart not just repenting of the the symptom like the gossip sarah what was sitting on the throne of your heart then was that sometimes you like the sound of your own voice and the impact that it has you like that more than the sound of my spirit I was like, it's true so i got to like empty out repent you know confess what was really in there allow you know, that kind of almost like get that out before God. And then he was like, now there's more space for me to fill. Because it's not just about emptying for the sake of emptying. You know, there's some religions, isn't there, that it's like emptying out and that's the peace. Actually, it's emptying out in order for something better to fill that space in your heart. You know, that heart's going to be taken up with the King of Kings. So that's, that's the encouragement, you know, in repentance. It's freedom and it's life and it's more of God. So just wanted to ask the question to you, what might be some idols for you? Even now, maybe like the Holy Spirit is just bringing to mind and you're like, something I want to repent of, I want to empty out, I don't want that to sit on the throne of my heart. And then secondly, um, the second invitation is to do some emptying in terms of our time. And I feel like for me, time is probably my most like a precious commodity you know even means more to me than money sometimes you know like just throw some money at something but actually to give of my time is giving of myself you know and um I feel like in our city in our culture as well this cultural moment that we're in where we're everything is a thousand mile an hour um I don't know if anybody's read the book by um John Mark Homer called um The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry it's like a mouth like a title Um, but it's a great book and it's very challenging and it's kind of essentially talking about this thing that's in the secular world has been diagnosed as hurry sickness so where a lot of people are having its affects mental your mental state affects you physically some people it's like their bodies are just kind of breaking and it's because of this Um, and it affects our souls you know like those three areas that like they're all affected by this hurry sickness and just having lives that are so cram full, but for too long. You know, you like, sometimes you can run fast for a bit, but like a marathon, you know, like, um, sorry, a sprint. A sprint is 100 metres, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not five hours, you know. So it's kind of like this, but how do we live in this culture? Like, so this book is very helpful. I won't kind of go too much into it. But essentially, hurry sickness, really bad. Um, but I don't think it means that we should never be busy because there's kingdom work to do and we do live where we live there is lots of stuff and a lot of it is good stuff but i think the key is probably being always being like jesus isn't it so jesus he actually had 30 years of pretty much like we don't really know what he did probably just lived a normal sort of did some carpentry you know <laughs> looked after his family kind of and then three years where You know you read the sort of his ministry time and there was loads of times where he they were too busy to even eat they jesus fell asleep in the middle of a storm because he was (laughs) so exhausted you know there were times when there was so you know the needs were there like it's busy but what it says about jesus is that he only did what he saw the father doing and i think sometimes that's the thing i do things that i want to do i just think i want to do them and it's not a bad thing it's just that I'm not what are you doing father in my life in this moment you know where how can I use my time for your glory and and uh, Steph Liston who's one of the leaders in um, New Frontiers he was recounting this conversation with another leader guy and and was saying like when um," this other guy was saying uh, when I start to lose my hunger to be in the presence of God when I start to feel that flatness in my soul that is when I start to say no to stuff. And what he was saying is really pointing out this connection between, um, you know, our hearts, our souls, and our diaries. Like, we can't, we can't disconnect them. There is actually a connection. So it's not saying you should never be busy, but it's like being led by the Spirit is seeing what God is asking you to do. Is it a time of running fast and we, he's just going to give you the strength? Is it a time to rest? Rest is a gift from God. When, you know, and how we kind of balance all the different, things that are vying for our time and our schedule so in Psalm 24 it talks about opening wide the gates so how do we open wide the gates of our diary of our time this precious resource how, we, how do we open it to God and say King of glory come in how do we do that and I feel like for us today I just wanted to highlight two things like almost like two sides of a coin one side is the fact that all of our time is holy for his glory and then the other side is the fact that specific only god set aside you know set aside times for only god so the fact that all of our time is holy for his glory there's a monk called brother lawrence i don't know if anybody's heard of him he's written a book called wrote a book called um practicing the presence of God I think yeah and essentially like he's like asking this question of how do I make all of my time fi- holy for his glory how do I do everything in that communion with God and so he you know things like he'd be washing the dishes in the kitchen of the monastery and like as I'm cleaning this pot Lord would you clean up my heart as I'm do- you know would you clean up your church would you you know so kind of every activity almost like being mindful of the presence of God and allowing God into that, that space. Um, the Heidelberg Catechism, which was written in the 1500s, they used to, it was a way that they got kind of theology into people with, you know, before people could necessarily read or had access to, to English Bibles or whatever. Um, and the first question is, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the response is, that I am not my own but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful saviour, Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if you woke up and that was your, you know, like, what is my only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful saviour, Jesus Christ. That means, God, everything I have is yours, even my time. So we begin to ask that question, like, how do you want me to use my time today? in this meeting, God, that I have to go to, what might you want to do? How might you want to show up? Who do you want me to focus on? What do you want me to say? What priority do I say yes to? And what is a good thing, but I just, that's not what you, you have for me today. Like, it's, it's like reorientating everything around that awareness of like, you know, God, you can interrupt my schedule. I'm going to hold it lightly. But if you, I'm walking along and I need to get to that place and go shopping, but actually you, I spot someone and you say, go and go and buy them a drink go or go and you know help them do you know like he could just do whatever he wants and we're kind of in that place of like walking by the spirit and you know jesus describes the spirit as um he's like the wind where you can't contain him you can't control him you can't plan him he goes where he wants it's like did you feel the wind on your cheek go over there do that oh now we're over here now he said oh no i know that's a good thing but actually focus on your kid right now just hone in give all your full attention you know it's kind of this like it's kind of an exciting but also quite scary and i like to like have my plan and control and know i'm doing the right thing but actually it's not it's like it's trust step by step trust in god so um we asked that question how god do you want me to use my time what should i prioritize today and you're allowed to interrupt me i want to be available i want to be like the stable open open space for you to come and and use me. And I think part of that is like slowing down in our hurry sickness culture, just doing things a little bit slowly, choosing to wait, choosing to not get stressed if we're at a traffic light, every traffic light I have to stop at, I'm like, "Ah, come on, why, why am I like, why am I hurrying, you know? But it's like things that just slow us down, enable us to be more attentive to the people around us and more attentive to the Holy Spirit. And then we've got the other side of the coin, which is having specific dedicated times that are only for God, our full attention on Him. And this can happen in any kind of ways, like we chatted Christiana, didn't we, the other week about, you know, like walking, like that is God in time, you know? So we can do like prayer walks where it's like, this is sacred time for me to commune with God, to get back into myself, to connect with who He is. It can be, you know, time with the Bible, sitting and reading first thing in the morning, can be, you know, Lots of different ways that we can have this dedicated time with God. Um, I heard of somebody, and actually Millie did this a while back, which was so sweet, had a tea party with Jesus. She set all her dolls, Uh things out, I bought her some food and then we closed the door and she's like, my guest is Jesus. And she just sat and chatted with him. (laughs) Like, you know, any way that you want to do it, like, God is very creative, he can do whatever he wants to do. I think a big thing in this, though, is silence and solitude. And um, I just wanted to read you this quote, because I was like, it was very challenging, from Henry Now and about silence and solitude. And it says, um, Solitude is not a private therapeutic place. Rather, it is the place of conversion, the place where the old self dies and the new self is born the place where the emergence of the new man and woman occurs. In solitude, I get rid of my scaffolding. No friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make, no meetings to attend, no music to entertain, no book to distract. Just me, naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, deprived, broken, nothing. It is this nothingness that I have to face in my solitude. A nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run to my friends, my work, my distractions, so that I can forget my nothingness and make myself believe that I'm worth something. But that is not all. As soon as I decide to stay in my solitude, confusing ideas, disturbing images, wild fantasies and weird associations jump about in my mind like monkeys in a banana tree. The task is to persevere in my solitude to stay in my cell until all my seductive visitors get tired of panning on my door and leave me alone. It is the struggle to die to the false self. But this struggle is far, far beyond my own strength. Anyone who wants to fight his demons with his own weapons is a fool. Only Christ can overcome the powers of evil. Only in and through him can we survive the trials of our solitude as we come to realize that it is not we who live, but Christ who lives in us, that he is our true self. We can slowly let our compulsions melt away and begin to experience the freedom of the children of God. And then he says, although the discipline of solitude asks us to set aside time and space, what finally matters is that our hearts become like quiet places where God can dwell wherever we go and whatever we do. And one other final thing that I find really helpful, so again, this is not, it might not help you, but it's really my use of my phone in this kind of having dedicated times to God. They did um, a documentary in England. I've read research that's actually in a lot of different areas that shows this basically brings out this same thing. But on this documentary, they had these groups of people who were, they did a kind of like a test, so it's testing their IQ. And firstly, they did it without, they weren't allowed their mobile phone in the room. And then they did the test again and they had their mobile phone not open, so they couldn't look at it, but just in their line of sight on the desk. And basically they found that people became less intelligent As they did it a second time and it wasn't obviously less intelligent it's the fact that their attention subconsciously if your phone you can see it your brain cannot help but like wonder if someone's messaged me is that oh i should do that thing and it was like it's it's like well i mean it's scary isn't it (laughs) just the fact that you can see your phone decreases your ability to bring your full attention and so I've realized, like, reading the Bible app on my phone actually didn't help me because I see a notification or my, I'm looking at my phone and I'm not fully attentive, whereas <laughs> getting back to, like, okay, phone in the other room. And then we also do um, a phone Sabbath on a Saturday. Me and Mike have started to just switch our phones off for, you know, Friday night to Saturday night. We don't do it every single week because, you know, annoyingly our diaries are on there and stuff. But the weeks we do it, I'm like, oh, God's spoken to me so much today. And I don't think that it's God hasn't been speaking the rest of the week. (laughs) But I think it's that my ability to tune into him and to be attentive to him really is impacted by having my phone around. So again, you know, they're not, not saying we should never use our phones, but it is an attention sucker. So maybe we can ask that question to God, like, how do you want me to use my phone for your glory? So the question is, to finish this to, you know, sort of sum up, what distracts us and what might we say no to in order to say yes to something better? And just finally to finish on the shepherds, because I just love their example. I feel like it really speaks to us um, because as you you guys were pointing out, you know, that the manger, like that was their place of work. That was their jam, you know, like a manger was something they were very familiar with, um, where you put, you know, the feed for the animals or whatever. And um, so just this idea that God wants to meet us where we're at and just kind of that like Holy Spirit, like dream, what could it be like if God showed up in your workplace in those mundane moments, in those boring moments, in those like just the normal stuff of life, in a meeting, a Zoom meeting you have, what if the presence of God came and people were like. So can you tell me, like, what happens when you die? Like, <laughs> can you imagine if that happened? Like, <gasps> like, oh, let's like get our like, you know, dreaming juices going <laughs> and like, ask God, um, what might it look like if the King of Heaven showed up in our workplaces, in our mundane places of life? And also, you know, when they heard that God, they have been given this news that God has come to the earth, the Saviour has arrived, they weren't content to, to like stay in the field just Let's ponder theologically, what does that mean for us? Like, just think about it. What they did was they rushed to get as close as they could to the Saviour, to actually be present face to face with him. They left, you know, what they were doing and that was their, you know, like, it says make haste, they made haste, didn't they? That kind of like rushing with all their being. And then they met with him and they were in his presence and then they went out and just, it was like the joy just overflowed. So they became amazing witnesses to what they just, because they just experienced, you know, they've just been in the presence of God and they've experienced how good he is. And so they can't help telling people. And I was like, like, that's the kind of witness I want to be, you know. Um, so let's make haste to spend time in his presence this, this Christmas season and always, you know, and then go out and overflow with that joy and share the love that we've encountered with other people. So we've got some time now um, where we're just going to see, make some space for God to see what he might do. I sort of originally thought, was thinking, oh, maybe we'll respond by, you know, maybe some journaling, some questions. And but I just felt the Holy Spirit was like, just make some space for me. Who knows what I might do? I feel like we might just sit in silence for 15 minutes. I don't know. Or maybe God is gonna come and He's gonna meet with us. Last night, Mike and I were just sitting. Um, a bit, you know, had a bit of a crazy day, and we just sat. Just had the little Advent candle on, and we just prayed the same prayer that we pray probably every day: Holy Spirit, come and fill us. And suddenly, I started like almost uncontrollably weeping. But with like, uh, it was like the joy tears, you know, where I was like oh that was very unexpected but it was like God just met me like he came and he just filled me and it doesn't happen you know in that way every time that I pray but sometimes he wants to he just wants to take us by surprise he wants to do like a holy ambush where he just his love comes and overwhelms us or you know maybe he wants to do some healing maybe he wants to just There's that opportunity. Empty out some stuff that you want to give over to him. You know, in the Bible, it talks about confession. Confess your sins to each other. Just saying, this is an issue in my life. This is an idol. Like, and as you confess it, it's like the power is broken. Jesus comes and he he delivers you and he saves you. And then, and it's the emptying in order to then be filled. There's more space for him to come and take residence in our soul. So, yeah. Let's take a few minutes space now. So, if you Um, would love to stand maybe that would probably be let's start with that and just invite him in alpha we um we do like when we have the time when we talk about the holy spirit it's really simple we just say we don't know how god's going to come we don't know what he's going to do but we just invite him we say holy spirit come and then just wait and see see what happens just like little oliver (laughs) it's like maybe you'll go to sleep for 15 minutes God's like I just want to bless you with a bit of rest (laughs) who knows (laughs) but yeah I'll just start by praying maybe if you want to yeah open your hands as if we're going to receive him Holy Spirit we invite you come come Holy Spirit presence of the living God sovereign Lord of heaven Come, come and fill us, encounter us again. We say our hearts are open. We don't wanna have any area of of our lives closed off. We wanna fling wide the gates so that the King of glory might come in. We want more of you, God. Would you come and meet us now? Would you speak to us? Would you meet us individually in ways that we get, that we know, that we feel in the depth of our being? Been um, having a, a sort of a picture in my mind for a, f- a little while now, a few weeks, where it's like this picture of a fire where um, when you make a fire, you've got logs and, and kindling and stuff, and it's all kind of packed really tightly together. And I feel like um, it's like to have a roaring inferno, you need both fuel and space for the oxygen to get through. And I feel like maybe some of our hearts, or our diaries, or you know our lives are kind of like that. It's not like you've not got the fuel. You read your Bible. You you know you we come together. We come to church, whatever. But it's like the fuel. Like everything is so tightly packed together, so crammed in. There's so much going on that there isn't the space of the oxygen, the breath of God, kind of to come in and through those spaces to ignite that fire. And if that particularly resonates with you i would really love to pray with you and that's one thing and then the other thing is um i just feel like maybe it's a moment where god is just (laughs) really wanting to stir like a fresh hunger for him i feel like either if you feel like i just feel so flat and so not really bothered but you want you actually do want God to stir a hunger in you for him that that is an opportunity for us to you know we can pray for one another for that that seed of fresh hunger to be planted in your soul again and also people who are really hungry that you're just feeling you know Maybe your heart's racing a little bit more, or maybe you're just like, God, I just want more of you. I want all that I can get. I don't want to live a life where I just get on with the stuff of life and do it and that's it. You know, I want to live, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to, you know, live half-heartedly. I don't want to be distracted. I want more of you. And again, I feel like that's something that God, he wants to respond to that today. Almost like it's an offering of our fresh devotion to him. So maybe, um, let's think how we could respond. We could maybe, you could respond individually to yourself with God. I think if it's, um, you know, I feel like praying with our bodies is so helpful. I feel like sometimes God's like, kneel down, that's your prayer to me, bowing before me. Maybe it's you opening your hands to be like, God, more of you.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello at SanctuarySF.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father.